Have you ever run into someone you hadn't seen for over a decade? On this episode of the Resilient and Resource podcast, that's exactly what happens. I'm your host, Annette Adams, and it was about 10 years ago when my guest, Narami, was a student at a school where I was a guidance counselor. During this engaging conversation, Narami talks about the winding path she has taken since her high school graduation. Stick around and listen to this great story about a life in progress that is turning out quite differently than expected. I'm so excited for this episode of the podcast because today I'm going to be speaking to Narami. Narami and I uh, knew each other 10 years or so ago where uh, we were at the same school. I was a guidance counselor and she was a student. And so I'm so excited to be able to catch up with you, Narami. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here today. So just tell me what have you been doing for the past 10 or 11 years? Yeah, that's a great question. So I've been, so after I graduated high school, I took a year off um, and just hung out with my friends for the year. I wish I could say I worked, but I just enjoyed the time off. And then I decided to go to university about uh, an 18 hour drive away from home. And I was studying concurrent education in geography and history to become a high school teacher which is something that I had wanted to do since I was very, very little. So that was my dream, my passion was to teach. Um, Unfortunately, about three years into my program, my mental health took a turn for the worse. Um, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety and had to start taking medication, um, which was a new concept for me of why is it that I need to take a little pill or pills to feel better, um, which was, Yeah, so it was a very new concept for me, but it really, really helped. Um, So after that, I, after those three years, when things took a turn, I decided to come home back to um, the area in which I live in and live at home with my parents. And from there, I worked um, as a youth leader at my church, which led me to um, kind of look into a field in which I could do similar things and have a profession in it, if that makes sense. So I stumbled across a recreation and leisure program at the college uh, in our city and did that diploma, um, got a diploma in two years, and then um, transferred some of those credits from my first university and the college to another university. And now I have a degree in recreation and leisure. And in the fall, I will be doing my master's in recreation and leisure. So I've been busy learning um, for the most part. Wow, that's wow, what a journey. So during that time, especially when you're talking about the very first university, uh, when yeah. you were struggling with your mental health, what kind of resources were available in a university setting for the for the needs that you had at that time? That is a great question. I think um, looking back on that time in my life, the hardest part was that I didn't know what was happening. I couldn't put words or have the vocabulary to understand that what I was struggling with was clinical depression and not just having a bad day um, in a several in a row. <laughs> um, so for me and my friends who, it was also very difficult for them to support me in that time because we didn't know what was happening. I'd come home crying and they'd ask what's wrong and be like, I don't know what's wrong. I just need to be crying. And it was, it was overwhelming. Um, I was trained as a resident assistant at my time there. And so I personally had taken mental health first aid, but I had never thought like 
oh, I'm the one who needs mental health first aid. Like I'm, I'm the one who should be asking those questions of myself uh, to keep myself safe. Um, as for supports in the university, they weren't the best. I mean, my immediate group of supports were um, the residents' people, I guess. So like my boss, my supervisor, those people were great because they understood mental health when it came to students and being away from home because most of the students who go to this university are from another part of the province. And so they understand that being away from home is hard and it's difficult and things happen. And so they were very supportive. But other offices within the university weren't as supportive. Um, they didn't have the training and the empathy to talk with students when they were having a hard time about something that may not have been related to um, their mental health, but definitely took a toll on their mental health. So it was hard. Um, and I remember one person um, who I talked to before I left just casually mentioned, oh, yeah, you're my second student to drop out. And that was really hard for me um, to hear that I was dropping out because up until that point, I didn't think I was dropping out. I just thought I was taking a break, going home to get better and coming back. And so after a year of being home and going to counseling, so I reached out to a counselor when I came back home, did some trauma therapy and felt like I put my ducks back in a row and went back for a semester, but financially I couldn't, uh, I couldn't afford to stay for the semester. So I had to come back home. And so that felt like another failure. Like here I was doing everything I possibly could to have the best day ever or the best possible time, um, stretch of time. And yet I was having bad days. And so it was just really hard. Um, but my second, like the college I went to and the university I'm at now have been super, super supportive. Um, I think it's because I can self-advocate and say what it is that I need. And I now have vocabulary to put to my bad days and um, have the capacity to understand what it is that's happening. Because I think that was the hardest part is not being educated in what the symptoms of my depression were. And what that really meant for people um, or for myself for that matter so yeah right so when you went to the college the following up the second um, institution you were at yeah what kind of what kind of different advocacy did you do like what did you do different than when you went to the first university yeah so the majority was reaching out um, what I did was I knew that um, my time management wasn't well, that my knowledge on how to read a textbook, which apparently is a thing, uh, how to properly read a textbook is a thing. And so I reached out to their uh, student services and found a peer, like a tutor, essentially, and booked different appointments and meetings with people um, who were there to help students succeed. And so for me, the writing part was not really a part of an issue. Like I, I can do well when I write, but it was mostly just time management and focusing on trying to stay focused was the biggest part. And so reaching out to those resources really helped because even though they're not directly tied to my mental health, they are. Um, because if I'm not managing my time well, then my mental health is not going to be managed and so it allowed me to kind of make time and space to have the best possible bad day. Because if I planned accordingly and I knew I was going to have a bad day that week or 
later on. I could allot time earlier in the week to get things done when I knew, okay, like mentally I'm starting to feel drained or burned out. What can I do now to help the future me succeed? And so it was a lot of time management and um, just checking in regularly with a, a, a tutor and yeah, trying to stay on top of things. I would set deadlines ahead of for myself. So something was due on a Friday, let's say the 14th, I would say, okay, I'm doing it for Tuesday, the week earlier. So it, I would have time to make up for it if and when I procrastinated. <laughs> but yeah, just different resources like that, where um, it was definitely, I think the human interaction though, that helped as well to connect those services to people who cared and who listened and who understood what it was like to be struggling with something that you can't see because it so the empathy it brings that empathy yeah it brings that empathy yeah, yeah definitely i absolutely love your line about having the best bad day i just think that's that's wonderful and i have to remember that for myself because you're not saying now that you have some resources around you that everything is going to go perfectly well every single day and that planning right. for the best possible bad day is something that we could all do I love that. That's great. Yeah, definitely. It's been a hard one to learn, though. Um, it's not easy to, to mitigate situations before they happen. But I, I've come to realize that instead of having the anxiety of things going well and, and looking forward to, like, new opportunities and, you know, that state of mind when you're, like, so excited about life and everything's just going so well for you, but you, the back of your head, you're, like, the, the shoe is going to drop, like, the other shoe is going to drop stop being so happy like you you're not you're not allowed to um and so for me it's like kicking that voice in the head and saying hey i'm allowed to one be happy and excited of where i am right now and two i will deal with you when i need to deal with you you don't get to you don't get to be in this moment um and so just kind of cleaning my room is a big one for me like if i know i'm going into a busy week or a stressful time in my life um, I'll clean my room or like reach out and ask someone to help me like hang out while I clean my room so that it can be clean for when I can't get out of bed and I'm having three, four hard days in a row and at least my room is clean as is what I say to myself and and then once the bad time comes it's like I know the good time is right around the corner and so pick myself back up and, and clean that room again, slow and steady. That's, I, th I just love that. I love that idea about, um, it's almost like looking ahead, knowing it's going to be busy, which could be some of your triggers, getting busy, wanting to procrastinate when things get busy and having something in place ahead of time. Yeah, I think that would be very helpful for me to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to ask a question about the, the university you're at now. So when mm -hmm. you advocate for yourself and you say, you know, you, you say to yourself, I know I'm going to have a hard day. When you approach your profs or um, the mental health supports at the university, are you now finding that they are supportive, that they understand, they're empathetic with that, uh, with, with what you do in advocating for yourself? So that's a two-sided coin. Um, yes and no. No in the sense that mental health, unfortunately, still has the stigma around it. And because it's not a visual necessarily illness, it, I don't feel it gets recognized as an illness more often than not when it's necessary. Um, 
the yes part of that is that I'm in a field where, so recreation and leisure is all about helping people, being there for people to support people in living active, healthier lives than they currently have or are capable of have having for various barriers and reasons. And so I find that the people in my program are super, super understanding. So when I advocate for myself with my professors, um, instead of, I've learned that instead of asking for permission, I'm giving them permission to say no. Um, so for example, if I, I realized this after I graduated, um, so I did five semesters in a row to graduate from university, which is a lot, um, back to back. So four courses every semester, back to back for a year, two years. Um, with only maybe two weeks of break in between those those five semesters. So there was times during the year when I needed, I was burning out. And so I would go to my professors and say, hey, I'm burning out. This is what I need. I need two weeks off. I will do what I can. I'll try to keep up with my readings, but there's no guarantee. Or I would, I would accommodate to, I would be willing to uh, compromise on like, okay, I can do one assignment in the week rather than three or four. Or if I couldn't, I just, I would straight up say, I can't, I can't do any work for the next two weeks. I need to focus on my health and myself, and I will get back to you when the two weeks are up. And by telling them that that was what was going to happen, it gave me the authority to establish that boundary, but also made it clear to them that this was not a joke that this was not a situation where um, they necessarily had a say in because it was my mental health. It was for me and I knew what I needed. And so they didn't really, I mean, they could obviously have said, no, like you can't take two weeks off school. But with the pandemic, I think everyone needed two weeks off school every here and there. So yeah, I think it's kind of owning that and saying, hey, I'm not doing well. I need this. This is for me. Um, rather than, hey, can I take two weeks off? Because they're like, well, no, you're fine. Well, I was like, no, I'm telling you I'm not fine. Yeah, I think that has really helped the way I approach the situation. Um, I don't ask for permission to take time off. I'm telling them that I'm taking time off. <laughs> I think that's amazing, especially because of the field that you're in. So mm -hmm. you're in a field where you're helping people to um, come to terms with ways that they can make their life more healthier to make their life healthier and right. so having somebody like you um being a role model for advocating for yourself and for saying my mental health is as important as my physical health as in my relational health my spiritual health they're, they're all the same so that's yeah i think that is incredible and i think you're going to be a gift to your profession so tell me where you want to go in the field of rec and leisure, like what do you foresee doing? That is a, a great question. Um, again, a two-sided coin because part of me is like, I have no idea, um, even though I'm doing a master's. Um, the other part of me just knows that kind of wherever I land within the profession, it'll be where I need to be in that time. So there's a lot that can be done within the field. Right now I'm working in municipal recreation. So I work for a township and a city. <laughs> I work for the township during the day, which is like a group of smaller communities under one jurisdiction. Um, and I help 
engage commun- the community in. Um, we're looking forward to doing um, an, an evaluation on the outdoor amenities of that township. And so I'm on the team to help engage the community to, to facilitate that process. And then in the evenings, I work for a city, which the city I live in, and it's more of like a evening program for youth. And so I love both sides of, of my jobs. I love working with youth. I also love working with community members and stakeholders. And so I think to answer your question, maybe municipal rec as a general thing, but again, within that, you could do children's camps. You can do, yeah, you can do anything in rec and leisure. So I think that's the best part is that I don't need to, I'm starting to realize I don't need to have an answer to that question. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good for you. (laughs) (laughs) But I have seen during the pandemic, I have loved the city I'm in and the work that people like you do to um, help us all get outside to be more active, like more trails were opened, um, places that people could safely go and exercise and walk and just be out in nature. So yeah, I do really appreciate, appreciate that work. Thank you. And you bring up a great point. I think the pandemic has really brought my, my field into the spotlight and how important recreation and leisure is to the full quality of somebody's life. Um, So it's a social determinant of, yes, you might have food, water, shelter, all of the important things, but you also need that leisure and that recreation to unwind from your day-to-day stresses. And especially during the pandemic, when we were all stuck inside, like what better thing than to go for a walk? even if it was just down the street. And yeah, so my goal is, I think, yeah, regardless of what job, what my job title is, I really want to focus on helping people realize the holistic approach of recreation and leisure, that it's not just about physical health either. That for me, it's definitely about mental health, spiritual health, emotional health, relational health, as you mentioned earlier, like it's all, it's all part of recreation and leisure. It's not just getting out and walking. It means so much more. Right. Yeah. So I wonder when you think about your journey in this past decade, what one quality, one or two qualities that you have that you really like about yourself? (laughs) Uh, That's a, oh, that's a great question. Can I, can I ask a question? Can I, can I rephrase the question? Yes, absolutely. Okay, I would answer the question in the sense of what my best friend would say are the three qualities that I have, um, because I myself don't necessarily see these in myself, but she uh, she's my number one support, so she reminds me of this on a regular basis. Um, one would be hard work, um, just working hard even even on those bad days, um, knowing that I'm I'm still doing work on those hard days, because those are the hard days when I can't get out of bed or I can't mentally be where I need to be to be successful that day, that's still hard work. And so she reminds me of that. Um, And that's really neat um, because I often lose sight of that. And, and mental health, you often lose sight of a lot of things that you're good at. And so she's, yeah. So hard work, reaching out to people um, and to resources. So advocating for myself, um, is another big one. Um, another friend mentioned once, she's like, I was really proud of you. Um, so in the time that I was at college in that second semester, 
I was actually hospitalized for mental health. And so I remember my experience with healthcare and mental health is its own story. But um, let's just say I went to the hospital the first time and was waited all night to see someone, a, a physician saw someone. They essentially sent me home. A week later, I was back at the hospital because things had gotten worse. And the doctor, I remember asking me, are you safe to yourself or to other people to go home? And I looked at him. I'm like, I'm not going home. And he's like, pardon? I was like, I'm not going home. And he's like, I don't understand. I'm like, no, like I need to be here. And you're admitting me to this hospital. And so again, advocating for myself and saying like, (laughs) yeah, whether I'm safe or not, I'm, I'm not leaving. Like this is where... I need to be and need to be doing the work. So yeah, advocating has been a huge part of my mental health journey and just life in general. Knowing what it is you want and kind of going after it uh, is really important. And a third one, I would say, I think just having, like just being myself in all of it and learning from it. Um, Not letting it change me, but changing with it, if that makes sense. So acknowledging that mental health is part of my journey, but not letting it define me. It is a part of who I am, um, whether I like it or not. (laughs) Um, But it doesn't, when you think, when I introduce myself, I'm not, hi, my name's Narami, I have depression and anxiety. Um, It's, hi, my name's Narami, I love giraffes and the color orange and sunflowers and all these great things. And um, I may happen to be depressed some days and I may happen to have anxiety, more often than not but hey like that's just that's part of the sunflowers and that's part of the the giraffes like they come together you can't have one without the other when it comes to me I guess incredible yeah what a great answer and I'd love to add to it because I did know you 10 years ago and what I remember about you is how much of a I would say contributor you were so I remember at some point you went for a leadership position maybe it was on student council and you didn't get it. But at the end of the year, when the teachers got around to decide awards, like your name came up in leadership across the board. It was like a unanimous, where's the leadership award for Narami? And I'm thinking that was, and I used, I used you as an example for years after to other students saying, being who you are is not what's happening on the outside only. Like you've got this position and so you do this or do that. And right. I just said, you know, I had this student once and you know, she contributed 100% all the time. So that goes with the hard working and the advocating. And I would add courage too for going through what you've gone through. So yeah, and self-awareness. You're, you're one of the very most self-aware people that I have talked to recently. So thank you. Thank you. That's uh, <laughs> I will add that to my answer to that question if I ever get it again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now... If you would give somebody else advice who is going through, so imagine it's somebody like you 10 years ago when you kind of got to a point and said, I don't know what's going on. I, you know, even though I've had mental health training to help other people and support other people, when it's happening to me, it looks and feels different. What kind of advice would you give to somebody who is sort of at the beginning stages of what you've gone through? Talk. Just talk and keep talking. Don't, don't internalize it, even if it's crying, because there was many days where it was just crying. And there was many days where it was gibberish of, I don't know what's wrong. I don't understand. Like, don't let yourself think that it's just you, because it's not just you. 
we all we all deal with mental health. Um, we all have hard days. The capacity of which in we in which we have hard days is very different, but we're all capable of getting through them. Um, I spoke with a friend, a friend I made recently. Actually, um, we were talking about mental health, and he he he. We we talked about how it's easy to tell each other how great we're doing, but to internalize that how great we're doing and and say it for ourselves is very difficult. And so I just reminded them that we've made it through every single hard day of our lives. We are here. We are alive. We are talking. We are sharing our stories. We're making, we're breaking down the stigma of what mental health is, what it looks like for other people, what it looks like for ourselves. So just talk, even if it's a journaling, that's really helpful. I found that helpful as well, especially when you don't feel safe. Um, I think for me, not feeling safe um, for myself um, was a big point in which I realized that I needed to get help. And so I, and it's scary because you don't want to admit necessarily that you you need help or that you're thinking scary thoughts and that they're, you don't know where they're coming from. But let me assure you, people out there know and they get it and they will be there for you and they will support you. And they just want to see you healthy and doing well. And yeah, I would never have thought I would be where I am now 10 years ago. And I'm sure I, the same thing will apply for the next 10 years. So it's just, it's just knowing that there will be good days and bad days and preparing for those bad days when I can. And then just enjoying the life out of the good days as well. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Enjoy the life of the good days and prepare for the occasional bad day. Yeah. But I also think your story, the one thing I think that just jumped out at me was how you continued to self-advocate even when the system wasn't there for you. So there are times when you're going to advocate it's not going to be easy because oh, yeah. it's, you know, working against you or because of the stigma and that kind of thing. So I really um, applaud your courage and am inspired by how you keep pushing through when there are you know roadblocks being set up. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that a lot. It, um, I can be honest and say those days are are probably the hardest because I look at the situation and say I have done everything possible. For example, I take medication. I see counselors. I have several counselors or therapists. For different things I try to eat somewhat healthy or regularly and <laughs> as best as I can for that day um, and so I have again my ducks in a row and things are not working out and I just have to remind myself it's not me that's not working out it's not me that's not doing the things that I need to be doing I need to keep doing those things to keep myself safe to keep those around me safe to keep myself alive and well and healthy and the bad days just kind of this fog that is rolling through and it will go through and we'll get to the other side but it doesn't again it doesn't dictate the situation at all at the end of the day um it's how we how you you respond to it is more important than what it is in itself I think well I can tell you I, I have loved this conversation I just hope it's not another 10 years before I can catch <laughs> up with you again to see what you're yeah. doing how your master's program is going and what area you get into in the area of wreck and leisure like I'm I'm so excited for your future 
And I'm also excited for the people that you work with um, who can learn from you and learn from your example of being self-aware, having the courage to advocate for yourself and to show um, that the stigma about mental health just needs to go. It just needs to stop Mm -hmm. now because so many of us are struggling with it and yet every day we get up and we go do our work and we connect with people and we keep moving. So I so appreciate you and the work you're doing. And I just want to thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me and and all your listeners for taking the time to to hang out with us today. (laughs) Okay, you take care and let's stay in touch. Wonderful. Will do. Bye.